0: But even though we're not agreeing, what I am seeing is my spouse that I love and married and is a goodwill person is not against me. He's coming over to my side of the apple that's been dangling between the two of us. And he's recognizing, I see why you've been saying that the apple is red. Because from your perspective, it is red. Even though I've been over here on the other side of the apple and I'm looking at it and it's green and brown with a hole. And I'm trying to tell you about this, but you're not getting it. All I had to do was come over to your side of the apple and see what you're saying, and it's true.
1: Hey there, I'm Ryan Franklin, and I would love for you to join me every week as we explore leadership topics that'll help you get the clarity needed to move your church or organization forward. You can hit the subscribe button and the bell to get notified as soon as I post a new session. And as I interact with Christian leaders every week, one thing is really clear. Christian leaders are wasting a ton of time trying to grow themselves because they have no plan. And this stifles their growth and ultimately the growth of their church or organization. This was me just a few years ago. My growth plan was based on whatever happened to accidentally land in my inbox or whatever book was at the top of the business development list at the time. And that left me floundering and wasting time and energy that I didn't have to give. And leadership growth, it doesn't have to be that way. The Christian Leader Blueprint is a framework with four pillars within it. We work to establish a better rhythm of life, to see ourselves more clearly, to leverage our strengths, and to build more productive relationships. And if you systematically work through these four pillars, you will have a proven plan that will help you maximize your effectiveness as a leader. And ultimately, it'll just help you crush the results of your organization. I've got a book coming out in just a few weeks on August the 3rd. But if you want to check out the model before you buy the book, you can download the Christian Leader Blueprint short guide that's available on my website for free. You heard that right, it's free, so don't delay. If you want to maximize your growth and effectiveness as a leader, just hit the pause button on this podcast and go to ChristianLeaderMadeSupple.com to get the Christian Leader Blueprint short guide right now. And without any further delay, let's get to our session. I'm really excited today to have on the podcast some new friends of mine, Adam and Carissa Keen, and I want to start by telling you a little bit about them and what they do. Adam and Carissa have been working together as a coach-therapist team since 2011, and through their very successful company, Dear Dear Young Married Couples, they have a pretty significant vision to help couples in a variety of ways. They have a counseling practice in the capital city of California, but they serve couples all over the world through online marriage counseling and events and podcasting. And they're currently working toward the vision of building the world's largest network of couples retreat centers. And I really love the way that they put that God-sized dream vision out there. Adam and Carissa are both very well educated with master's degrees and certifications of, of all sorts. And Carissa also has a PhD in theology, which is very impressive. And they've been married for 15 years. They have two kids and they enjoy backpacking and traveling and adventuring as a family. And so, Adam and Carissa, welcome to the Christian Leader Made Simple podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you so
0: much. It's an honor. We love what you're doing, and we're honored to be a part of it.
1: Thank you so much. Well, I'm I'm really curious, before we jump into our topic, about these adventurous travels. Um, (laughs) What's what's one uh what's one of the most fun trips you've had maybe the most adventurous trip you've you've had uh to date put we've you on the spot lot. there a little bit yeah yeah
2: we've had a lot i think my favorite like the most memorable and we've done a lot of amazing we just got back from Egypt and Jordan that was really? amazing wow but i think the like the doorway that led us into adventuring together was actually um Krista was in her doctorate program and um, she had to met like a mandatory visit to Springfield or yeah, Springfield. Um, she had to go there for two weeks, but they gave her the option last minute. They're like, Hey, you know, you you don't have to go here if you go to Israel and study instead <laughs> and for two weeks. And, I'll take wow. Israel. Thanks. and we both said, <laughs> sign us up. Let's go to Israel. Cause I was like, I'm not going to be left behind on this trip. <laughs> and so it was a, uh, we're getting prepared for it. We're, you know, getting everything you know in line, and then they reached out and said, "I'm so sorry, but that trip was canceled." We were like heartbroken, and they said, "Well, wow. but there is another trip that is going to go for a month to Israel, um, actually Israel and Jordan," and they said, "We will, you know, give you that trip for the cost of the two week vacation." <laughs> wow! Vacation, and we said study trip. So it was a study trip. And, um, it was incredible We were with some of the top archaeologists in israel um, and it was fascinating the the things that we learned and just all what we were exposed to really opened yeah. our eyes and changed the way we read the Bible now.
0: yeah, I would agree with you that that was an incredible adventure and also a doorway that got us adventuring more um i think a more recent trip that was one of my favorites was to sicily we were able to take the kiddos it was a missions for marriage retreat and um, my parents as well they helped us with the kids and um there were just so many things along the way that would have gotten in the way of the retreat um namely our flight being canceled and we wouldn't have arrived until like two (laughs) days after the event and so Uh. we ended up taking an overnight train from rome to sicily and the train like disconnected and went through the water in order to get us to Sicily. And we didn't even know that was possible. So that was, I, I would say, a really memorable an adventurous trip.
1: That, that sounds like a very adventurous trip. I've, <laughs> I've been to Israel as well. And that was uh, probably one of my favorite trips also. Yep. Really neat. It made the Bible come alive. For it sure.
2: sure does. It sure does. Mm-hmm. And it shows you just how much we're missing because we don't understand the culture yeah. that yeah. The, the Bible was written in and uh, we don't speak the language, which a lot is missed in translation.
0: It really changed yeah. the way that we um, study, the way we pray, the way we mm. worship, um, the way we preach and teach. I mean, it it really changed a lot for us.
1: That's so good. That's great. Well, let's let's jump into our conversation today. I I wanted to bring you on to to talk about communication and uh, navigating communication in marriage and in leadership. Obviously, that's a big part of of coaching and and therapy, and uh, knowing that communication is one of the most vital tools in marriage and in leadership. Um, if you don't mind, I'm gonna put you on the spot right off the bat, and can you share? A bit about your personal journey and struggles and and learning the importance of effective communication within your own personal marriage,
0: sure mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say prior to marriage, we thought we were excellent communicators. We both are the oldest of five children, came from Christian apostolic homes, and um we
2: were know. deceived. <laughs>
0: And we were all of 19 and 21 when we got married. So we had a lot to learn. Um, We were both quite assertive, but we were not active listeners and we really butted heads quite a bit.
2: Yeah. We're both opinionated, right? Like We both have an opinion. Neither one of us are pushovers. So when it came to marriage, we both had an opinion. And we both thought we were right, which doesn't mend or meld very well. Um, I remember just lots of, and, and also to your, you bring your own insecurities into a relationship. <laughs> and of course, you know, that marriage, we like to ex- explain that marriage is like a bridge. Like, you know, the two halves of the bridge are coming together and then there's this two ton truck that drives over this bridge and exposes the cracks and the fissures that are actually there. Mm -hmm. Not with you guys, huh? (laughs) No, let's... (laughs) And what happens is, I I think that God designed marriage in a way that he put two very incredible people together to help them become more sanctified. Mm -hmm. And that sanctification process, well, they say, to becoming one flesh is a bloody process. It is difficult because what it's doing is, is it, it's exposing what's there that needs sanctifying, mm-hmm. and yeah. we could come into it defensively and be like, "Oh, you know, you're pointing out my faults, and I don't like that." And I push back and say, "Well, you're, you know, you're not so great." And she does that back. We can protect ourselves or we can start to accept influence from the other person and sh- and the other person hopefully is goodwilled and they're trying to show hey this would be an area i need you to work on
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and if you can accept that you can then you can show if you work on that you could show the things that they need to work on yeah, okay. so
0: so we learned that process um <laughs> we were we had been married a year and a half when I got into my master's program for marriage and family therapy, and we um, had to go to counseling. Well, I had to go to counseling. It and was you, part so of the program. So you were in,
1: Mar- oh, you had to do it for the program. Okay.
0: Had to be in counseling, like paid personal psychotherapy for me as the client. Yeah. Um, it was like a required number of hours. Was this
2: like 13 and a half years ago?
0: Yeah. Yeah. About that. And so we've been married 15 years now. The stigma
2: of counseling was still there.
0: It was still there. Even though I was becoming a counselor, like I didn't know anyone in my personal circle that went to counseling. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to go, you should go with me.
2: It's like, I'm good.
0: And boy, did we that's learn funny. so much. Like I thought that I was just going to check a box, um, but I grew and healed. And then he joined me and we grew and healed and learned these communication skills. And uh, really, I think that's what set the foundation for us to be able to share these skills with so many others.
1: Mm-hmm. Would you say that that is probably the most important thing that you learned through that process of, of personal marriage counseling
0: Hmm. most important thing well i would say our spiritual foundation is the most important but we didn't get that through marriage counseling mm-hmm. so as yeah. long as that spiritual foundation is there yes communication is a building block communication <laughs> and conflict resolution those are the building blocks of a marriage um, that's on top of that spiritual foundation
2: also you got certified and prepared and prepared and rich
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that gave us an opportunity to actually get some tools on board so having tools um which really a tool is just an agreed upon process in your marriage yeah that like if i say this word then now we're entering into a process that we both agreed on Mm -hmm. the problem with a lot of marriages is they go in with no agreed upon rules of engagement and that can tend to chaos sometimes
1: yeah i think that's where angie and i found ourselves even as far as five years into our marriage, not having mm-hmm. those guidelines, those boundaries, and uh, and set rules process of, of dealing with you know issues in our life, and we found mm-hmm. ourselves in a in a pretty horrific place in year five of our marriage, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that we learned was communication in our yes. in our uh, counseling process. And it changed the next 16 years of our marriage. It was it was a beautiful thing.
0: That's awesome.
1: So, what do you what do you feel are some of the most common pitfalls? I know you 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 guys are interact with a lot of married couples, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some of the common pitfalls that you see couples often mm-hmm. face these days? I think it's that it
2: they have no agreed upon. Pathways to communication, yeah. And because of that, uh, people butt heads. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you butt heads long enough, you start to look at the other person as the source of your trouble. Yeah. And really, marriage is supposed to expose the problems so that you can correct them <laughs> in you, <laughs> which would give the other space space for them to not correct me my spouse, right? <laughs> right. And so I think this is why marriage counseling is so important, is that it helps you slow down and gets a mediator in there with you to point Mm out, hey, did you hear what she just now said? You know, she wants what you want. So why is this happening? You know, and getting people to talk about it Mm -hmm. in a safe place. So I, I think. Developing that confidence and a safe place to begin to communicate is like the, one of the first steps that we try to achieve in counseling. I would yes, say I mean, another
0: pitfall is that people go into communication seeking to hmm. be understood instead of seeking to understand. Yes. And when we're seeking to be understood, yeah. it can often feel like you versus me. Yeah. When in reality, we're on the same team. We're going for the same thing here. So let me seek to understand you. And even if I still think I'm right or my way is better, I can actually come alongside you and see your perspective. And that's good communication.
1: Yeah. Seeking a win-win situation versus I'm going to win and I'm going to prove myself. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's super important.
2: I'm sure everybody's kind of listening right now and thinking this is so cliche. (laughs) <laughs> but the thing is is it works. Yeah. Um
1: it works. There's it really several, does.
2: It does. But we we're looking for that new shiny thing. Mm-hmm. And if people slow down and we can give you a couple you want a couple of tools? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Okay. Here's a tool. Why not? We didn't, kind of talked about it Let's but do it. we'll see. So a fabulous tool that we've um adapted It goes like this, Um, I think Prepared and Rich, Gottman, uh, Harville Hendricks, they all have kind of a similar dialogue, but it will sound kind of like this, and this is how my wife and I go about communicating. I can give you some examples. But um, actually, so we were traveling from North Carolina to South Carolina, we had a long trip, and we had some things that were both bugging us, and here we go this there's this temptation to like want to be understood before you understand and so we started communicating and it was kinda of going back and forth back and forth like a ping pong match and I finally said babe alright what's your wish and so this is this is called a, the wish list um, so she said well babe I wish that blank and she gave me the wish and then she said and if that happened, I would feel. And then she gave me the feeling. Right. That right there is a wonderful way of communicating what you want. Generally, couples start off communicating from the criticism. Here's what I'm not getting. Here's what I don't like. Here's how you're screwing everything up. Instead, if we go from the wish, it's so much more palatable for me to take in and to receive influence. That's very good. Myself And then my job was to actively listen back. Sound like, okay, babe, well, I heard you say you wish that blank. And if that happened, you would feel blank. Did I get that? And then she responded yes or no. And then I often ask, is there anything more that you want to share about that? I'm giving her the complete liberty to share her feelings uncontested. Yeah, not trying to push my opinion or reject her wish. wish. There's nothing really there that I can disagree with.
1: Well, you're and she's approaching it from a positive standpoint, Mm right? There's nothing. There's nothing to be defensive over. Yes,
0: right. You're painting a picture of what you want to see, and so if your spouse hasn't seen this picture, you've got to paint it really clearly for them. So you're both casting vision, essentially. It's not a criticism.
1: Yeah, that's really good. So the first step would be to give a wish. Mm-hmm. The second step is to uh, repeat back or mm-hmm. paraphrase what the wish yeah. is.
0: Yeah, so the first step is the wish and the feeling because we miss feeling. that that's piece right. sometimes. Yes. Yep. The feeling really communicates to your spouse, like, here's here's the difference this would make for me. And try mm-hmm. to try not to say, I would feel like you were da, da 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 anytime you use the word like after feel um like it's going to be a yeah it's going to be a thought or maybe a a reverse accusation um i would feel yeah. like you cared
2: yeah i would feel like you're not a jerk
0: <laughs> <laughs> but use an actual emotion so i would feel more confident i would feel more um engaged more at peace more you know so you're giving actual emotions um, yeah so then your spouse yes yeah, step 2 they respond with how, what you just said, it could be a paraphrase. It doesn't need to be a robotic word for word. Um, yes, and then there's actually another step there. Um, and it's, it's this piece of empathy.
2: So let me go back to that example and then I'll have you explain it. Okay. So we were driving and we did the wish and she, I actively listened back. It was good. And then she went on to explain her side point of view. And then kept doing that over and over
0: he's like i've heard this several times
2: (laughs) and i actually was patiently waiting yeah he was um to express myself because i had a different point of view on this but it makes i often tell people like communication especially in a marriage is normally emotionally charged and it's funny when both people are trying to be the listener or or be the talker we're not getting anything done. It's like two kids trying to get on the swing at the same time. There's no one yeah. to push them and they're struggling and flailing and falling. But there has to be an agreement who's swinging and who's being pushed. Yeah. There has to be that agreement or it starts to get messy. So I slowed us down. I said, okay, you said this several times. and I really get it. Do you need me to, to go into empathy? And this is the word we use. We use because, because, because.
0: He said, do you need me to do it because, because, because? And I was like, yes, Yes, I do. I do. (laughs) Because that's what I wasn't getting. Like, even though he heard me and he did well at the active listening, I wasn't feeling like he truly got it. So once he did the because, 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 and I'm about to share what that is, that's when I was like, okay, thank you. Yes, you get me. So here's what that looks like. So the listener continues after they've summarized and they got it right. You know, I I give that nonverbal like, yes, you got it right. Then he goes into that makes sense because, and he gives three reasons and because, and because.
2: This is very difficult for a lot of people to do. It's very, Mm -hmm. first of all, it's because they're not trained to do it. No one's done it for them. Um, And then a lot of people are not emotionally aware enough to step into the person's shoes and really to dig down what are the underlying motivations for why this person is feeling the way they're feeling. Mm -hmm.
1: So just to be clear, that is not agreeing with the other person. That is just... See, you got
0: it. Yeah. But even though we're not agreeing... What I am seeing is my spouse that I love and married and is a goodwill person is not against me. He's coming over to my side of the apple that's been dangling between the two of us. And he's recognizing, oh, I see why you've been saying that the apple is red, because from your perspective, it is red, even though I've been over here on the other side of the apple and I'm looking at it yeah. and it's green and brown with a hole. And I'm trying to tell you about this, but you're not getting it. All I had to do was come over to your side of the apple and see what you're saying, and it's true. Yeah. He it doesn't sees mean you're you
1: wrong. he hears you, and yes. that's more important than anything else. more important than him agreeing with you yeah. is that he sees you and hears you yeah yeah yes.
2: ag- agreement and figuring out how to fix it, it does not belong yet in the conversation
1: right yeah
2: so we are um I actually worked with the pastor and his wife recently on this and um i taught them this tool and then had to them do because 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 at the end they were like man that was hard but what we what they did well the wife said and this will maybe resound for a lot of leaders she's like i wish that you you gave me more quality time mm-hmm. and if that happened i'd feel safe i'd feel more connected with you Um, And I forgot the last emotion that she said. And then I had him actively listen back and then do do because, because, because. Well, I I didn't know much about them except for I knew she was a pastor's kid. And um, I know PKs generally wish their parents were more available than a lot of them are. And she shared a little bit of that. But so I immediately knew where this could go. First of all, he didn't really know to look there. So he kind of gave a, well, you just want me around so we could connect and be connected. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, very surface, like <laughs> obviously. And then I said, could you please connect this? Because, because, because pull from her childhood. He's, he thought a second. He's like, oh, he says, you would want this because you don't want the family experience that you got growing up. You want to make sure. That I'm always going to be around and I'm always going to be father, but also caring for you in the way that you need and to to have you as a priority mm. so that there isn't damage done later. Okay. And then I, then I said, okay, now p- pull from her fear that this is the third because, because, because he's like, that makes sense because you fear that we're going to grow apart. And if we're not doing things and spending quality time, I can give myself over to ministry, give myself over to leadership and all these other people pulling. But we'll, we'll, you know, maybe I'll lose grip on the marriage or I'll go so far that, that we can't recover from your absence. And, wow. and you, you fear. So you see how we can go so deep and touch a root and you are the one. And he was the one saying this to her. And she's like, you see me.
1: He's, he's feeling her pain as well. He's, exactly. more, open to, he's more open to exploring her, her point of view mm-hmm. because he's feeling her pain, yeah. which is very powerful. That's, that's empathy at its best.
2: Yeah. And, and what happens? So now he's feeling her pain. What does that open us up to now? really opens us up to resolution it opens us up to now what do we do about i mean there is um there are studies done that people have to connect right brain to right brain which means empathy connection understanding emotion emotion we have Mm -hmm. to connect emotionally like you get me before we can flip into logically reasoning out how to do this how to practically make this happen
0: and if you think yeah. about that it applies to parenting it applies to pastoral leadership it it applies to discipling someone you know don't correct and make all these changes and discipline your children until you've connected connecting is part of the discipleship process nice. so you got to connect before you correct
1: I, I wanted to ask you since this is a leadership podcast And can this kind of translate into a church environment or a- Glad you
2: asked.
0: Yes. 100%.
1: So I
2: just read a book called Never Split the Difference.
1: Um, Yeah. Fabulous
2: book on it. Great, great book. So how many of the things that I'm saying right now that work in marriage work in a hostage negotiating scenario? (laughs) I mean, that's- Every bit of it. Yep, they use active listening. They use empathy. They use and these hardened criminals crumble because
1: they're being understood now. They're they're seeing they're They're people. They're people.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And and what's beautiful about it is it is it softens the heart of the person that is trying to provide the empathy as well. And it's like you said, uh, it 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 leads you to a more complete. Solution or end result, because you're you're fully seeing how this is going to impact your spouse, your kids, people that you lead, because mm-hmm. you're 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 getting in their well basically.
0: Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: Yeah, very very good stuff. Um, could you share sort of a a, a practical tip or strategy for? couples that specifically on active listening um you're in a in a heated moment you're it's a it's a stressful time um people are not understanding each other either in marriage or or in a in an office somewhere mm-hmm. um how can you use active listening skills to sort of create a space for for opening for open communication first of all um what does that look like? And then second of all, how how do you work towards that kind of environment that you can do that kind of active yeah. listening in?
0: Well, Adam said earlier that we need to connect right brain to right brain before it- we're going to co- go to any solutions. The problem is when we're in a heated moment, our heart rate is up so high. Our cortisol levels are up so high. That's our stress hormone. Um, our breath is really short. We have shortness of breath that our prefrontal cortex actually turns off and the front part of your right brain is where all that empathy and decision making and um, strategy and rational that rational part of your spouse or that loved one that you really like about them that's all gone yeah so and it doesn't take much to get your heart rate above 100 beats per minute and and once it's there prefrontal cortex is off so you're really not going to accomplish much if we if you try to stay in this vein even if you're trying to use some active listening skills like the what we just taught that's a great one for um you know trying to engage someone but it's really not going to work if if their prefrontal cortex is turned off great their brain is literally flooded and they're in fight or flight so if you if you're watching this you can think of it like a wrist you know a, a fist here and the front of your brain is right here and um you have your brain stem which is right here And in the middle right here is this little part called your amygdala. And your amygdala is like a fire alarm. And when your prefrontal cortex turns off, it's like you flip your lid and that little fire alarm says, ding, 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 we're not safe, something's wrong. And your amygdala and your brainstem do all of the thinking for you. So all this rational part of you and your ability to empathize and connect, it's gone. Your lid is flipped. And so once you're in fight or flight, you have to recognize that space is needed. So if you're in a business setting, you're in a church leadership setting, you're in a parenting or a marriage setting and that person's lid is flipped, even if yours is not, you've got to be able to call a timeout. You have to call a breather. Of course, the problem with the way most people call a breather is that they just leave. Right. I'm, I'm getting some space. I'm taking a just, walk.
1: Just detach,
0: detach. Right. And then yeah. that other person's feeling abandoned, like, why don't you care? We need to solve this. And that also is not great. So what do we do? You have to call the time out at the same time as you call the time in. So here's what that would look like, babe. I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. I know what you're saying is important and I want to hear you, but I am not capable of hearing you right now. I need some space. I'm going to go take a walk for 20 minutes. And when I come back, can we try to resolve this together? So, the 20 minute thing that was me calling the time in. Yeah. So, he knows. Do you find okay. that
1: there's a specific time, uh, amount of time that that usually people will? What's the neuroscience behind that? Is there, is 20 minutes it?
0: You need at least 20 minutes. At least. At least. yeah. Is there anything
1: wrong with saying, uh, you know, by seven o'clock tonight, we're gonna come together and talk about this particular thing? You could do that.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, we often do an after. Yep. So we say after church, or after we put the kids down, or after Mm -hmm. work, um, after dinner, just because our, our life is more fluid and we we're ruled by the clock but we're also flexible. Um, yeah. So but
0: what doesn't work is like storming outside and then coming back in to solve it 2 minutes later. Because
2: it becomes a power a power play at that point, yeah. right? Exactly. I'm going to control yeah. you in this situation
0: and the person rejects that. Yeah.
1: There's no there's no chance in engaging in active listening until that 20 minutes is late. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And then during that 20 minute timeout, while your heart rate's coming down and your cortisol levels are flushed, your cortisol's flushing out of your system, that's a time to go into empathy. Don't sit there and scroll social media or, you know, try to distract yourself. Do something like a walk or dishes that allows you to put yourself in their shoes and do yeah. that because, because, because on your own before you ever get to them. So when you come back 20 minutes later, that- you can actually do the because, because, because.
1: That may be another 20 minutes, though. You may need 40 minutes to, to get yes, there. Yes,
0: you might. And that's why we say at least 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, 20 minim, twenty is
2: the minimum. Yeah. Um, generally, like if we have a timeout, it's not 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, we'll usually say after when the kids go to bed or yeah. Yeah, share a specific. But
1: that's been a really great helpful tool. In our marriage. what I, what I love about this about you guys speaking these things is it's a plan mm-hmm. if you if you're in the heat of the moment and you don't have a plan it's not going to go well right. right because right. of that fight or flight but if you have a plan that you can automatically go to it's it's amazing how much better things will will go
2: yeah you know Absolutely. it's really interesting too um, I was just reading in a book uh, by Bessel van der Kolk um it's called the body keeps the score fabulous book for anybody listening that's a leader that wants to understand people and trauma but they were talking about trauma is actually much much worse or actually is very prevalent in situations where people are trapped Mm -hmm. generally as kids why trauma like when bad things happen We interpret those things as trauma to our bodies because we feel trapped in the situation. We can't remove ourselves. So think about the, the, the couple that is talking and stuff, but don't have any way or any boundaries on their arguments or, or conversations. They have
0: no out. They
2: have no out. Yeah. So essentially they feel trapped and they're traumatizing themselves. Um, in a very, you know, broad sense to the next argument or to the next conversation that can escalate really quickly because they have no predefined boundaries. We have to have boundaries and we have to know, Hey, I'm safe going into this conversation because I know that we will always come back to it. We'll never get so escalated that we're going to hurt each other or say something that I regret so that gives you a confidence and that confidence is so important. It's the confidence that really like, even though we sometimes get, I wouldn't say get escalated anymore. We can get really Mm -hmm. frustrated, but we don't get crazy escalated.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it's because we have that confidence of like, we know how and where to, to take that, that distance. And by the way, um, I've located in my body, so people's like, oh, I'll just know in my mind when we need to take a a break. So for me, I know I need a break when I start to feel my stomach start to churn. That's the first indication for me that my heart rate's going to start rising very quickly and that I'm going to start getting shortness of breath and getting angry.
0: And for me, it's the heat going up my neck into my face. Like I know it's getting red and- Yeah. I know like, okay, yeah. I need a break.
1: Your body will that's tell you first. Nolan, and that's why you guys don't get escalated anymore because you, you know you know yeah. when it's
0: coming. Yeah. I
2: know when it's coming, and I know when to, okay, I'm starting to get frustrated. I, I really become cautious because I love this person I'm sitting next to right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to do anything to harm our relationship because I know I'm frustrated, but I know this end. That's the confidence part. I know that we'll get through it. So I get yeah. very cautious and get very caring. And even though I don't feel like it, <laughs> I will serve her. Uh, Ephesians chapter five says that husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. This is my way of serving my wife. It's not this dogmatic. It's not this authoritarian rule. Yeah, I'm trying to serve my wife in what needs to happen right now and let me be the one to lead this and sometimes she does i'm not saying that but but often i will try to be the first one i'm not trying to be the bigger person or whatever that's not it that 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 would be me being prideful right it's just me obeying what the bible says in ephesians 5 and saying all right baby uh, we're both trying to right now give our opinions i want to hear you out And that's where I make that choice to step back and to serve my wife and be the first active listener. Whenever we get escalated, it's because we slipped into that place. There's normally extraneous stuff going on in our lives that cause it, but normally we slip into that before we realize we're having one of those conversations. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
2: That's normally what it takes. Most couples by surprise that they're in one of those conversations. Um, But when we're going into a difficult conversation i'm very careful and i will normally step back and say okay let me essentially let me push you on the swing first Mm. yeah and you know
0: how much respect that garners from me to him you know because ephesians 5 talks about husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands and that cycle is so energized when he serves me in that way and I want to serve him right back and I respect him so much for doing that. Yes.
1: So you mean to tell me that when he demands respect, <laughs> that does not come across better than pushing the sway?
0: Is that how Christ did for oh, the church?
1: My God. You know, <laughs> if if us leaders
2: would simply start to be uh, more introspective, okay. yeah, as, as Brother Aristotle said, know thyself. <laughs> If we can be more introspective and what did um, Christ said that you will know that they will know that you are my disciples for the love that we show one for another. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we talk about being loving, but honestly, like put it through the test. Love is gentle. Love is kind. Love is long suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love doesn't, it vaunteth not itself. It's not counting rights and wrongs. Like if we can actually live to that principle, people should be able to look at your leadership and know that you're a Christian, or look at your marriage and know that's a Christian. That's
0: good.
1: That's very good. Yeah. Very good. So you mentioned leadership. I found that if we can do this stuff at our home, with our spouse, where we let our hair down, where, where everything just kind of uh, at home. If we can do this at home, does that translate to leadership as well <laughs> easily?
0: I think that you're much more likely to lead well outside the home if you're leading well in the home. I think the opposite yeah. is tends to be the focus. People try to focus yeah. on their leadership skills and their executive business approach without focusing on the home. And... <clears throat> They're probably going to crumble if they don't get things yeah. in line. It
1: leads to home. burnout. It leads to yeah. to unnecessary stress. Mm-hmm. That, um, it's almost one and the same. You almost have to, if if you're going to be a good leader outside of the home, you got to good be a good leader inside of the home. Yeah, because I, they eventually, they, eventually, they start mirroring one another. In my opinion,
2: yeah. absolutely, absolutely, I, it. I think that leadership, pastoral, or business, or whatever—it's a—it's a marathon. Yeah. Just like marriage, and eventually you're going to show your true colors. You can't hide your true colors. And if if we can simply start to focus on, let your marriage—actually, uh, let me back up. Thomas, uh, Gary Thomas said this. He says the best wedding gift that God ever gave you was a full-length mirror called your spouse. Allow right. that that mirror to teach you the areas that need the most work, and then you work on those things inside your marriage, and those will always translate outward. But let us not tr- try to put this front on and have the use authority and. Tell people what they ought to do. I mean, we see these sort of leaderships all the time and it, it's not sustainable and it's not someone that I want to follow either.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I had all kinds of great questions for you guys and I feel like that we kind of covered the majority of them in your in your uh, couple of step process. Can you go through that one last time just just to reinforce that with people? of what that engaging in that um, active listening and empathy can you can you walk through that one one last time
0: sure so step one you'll say i wish that and if that happened Mm -hmm. i would feel and then your spouse or the other person the active listener will summarize what they heard you say so you're saying you wish that and if that happened you would feel and then they go into empathy and that makes sense that you wish that because, and because, and because, and really try to tap in, in those becausees, not just to the surface stuff, but tap into their childhood, tap into their fears, four areas, their values, their unmet needs, really try <laughs> to go deeply there. And that's why we do three, because people will say a because, they'll give a reason. And it's like, yeah, that's true, but Okay, I don't really feel seen, and so if you can go into the second and the third, because even though it's you're really actually hard, deepening,
1: you're actually deepening each time. That's yeah, it. it's mm-hmm. very good.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, and and I would put a little addendum on there. Generally, we ask permission because we don't mm-hmm. want to use this as a you know flogging device. <laughs> um, normally I'll ask something like, "Hey, baby, I have a wish for you. Um, can I share that with you right now?" And sometimes it's not a great time. Uh, and she'll say, yes, um, but right now I am in the middle of something. I really want to listen to you. But can we come back to this in like, you know, or I'm finishing this up. Can can you give me 10 minutes? Normally, because I really want her to get it. Yeah. So I'm totally generous yeah. on that. Yeah, absolutely, babe. Yeah.
0: So yeah. that phrase, I have a wish for you, it's kind of like saying, hey, I have a hard ball. I'm about to throw it. I know nobody likes getting a hard ball thrown at their head when they're not looking. So can you put your glove on? Is now a good time for you to put your glove on? Let's play catch. Yeah. And then it's much more of a team sport.
1: Yeah. That's very good. Asking for permission is, is significant. Well, as we, as we wrap up uh, before I give you my last question that I ask everyone, uh, is there any good resources? I know you named a, a, a couple Adam is there any other resources that you would recommend in regards to communication for for people?
2: Yes. Yeah, our podcast um <laughs> com is our Why did um, you mention that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, we also developed resources for couples, dating, engaged and married couples um, called our conversation cards. And we have a card deck called Foundations, and it's all about building those foundations in your marriage, um, namely communication. And so each card has a question for you to ask each other. But at the bottom of that card is a tool or a statistic or studies show um, or a quote that really like hones in on what we're talking about here. Mainly tools though, you're going to see a lot of tools that you can use in your marriage after you you're going through these questions in the card deck.
1: So these tool, these card decks will sort of give you, uh, I guess something to circle around and try some of these things that you were talking about today. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah.
2: We just got Good. a We just got a, uh, somebody dm'd us and said hey, we just got your cards and we did a 17 hour drive and we only got through three cards because they they talked nearly the whole time they're just designed to bring up some of the areas so there are three decks actually four decks we have foundations which is the communication expectations. it's exactly what you think it is and it's
0: only for married couples <laughs> um,
2: it's realizations you, which is- you don't do that at the office right <laughs> not recommended, not recommended. We have, uh, realizations, which all is all about you individually, like past, present, future. You could
0: play that as a game. Like how well do you know your spouse? See who knows each other better. And
2: that's a lot of fun. And then our other one is for families. It's actually called having the talks.
0: Yeah, because one talk is just not enough. We focused on, did you have the talk growing up? Did you? Well, first of all, 50 something percent of Christians have not had the talk, but even the talk itself, you know, I would say 20, something around 27 percent, um, had the talk. And then that's all. Everything else was you just awkward and silent and sex is bad. And so um, it's a very small percentage, usually less than 10 percent of Christian people grew up with the narrative that sex is a good gift to be celebrated in the covenant of marriage. And it's okay that we talk about it. Um, And so that's our goal with having the talks, which is a card deck for parents and their children. Um, It's a sex ed deck, if you will, but it covers so much more than just sex ed.
1: That's so good to cover those hard issues that most people avoid. Yeah, exactly. that glad, the glad world's covering very well right now. People. That is, and that is so true. That is so true. We won't go down that road, but <laughs> we, we we could say a lot about that. We could, for so, sure. <laughs> the final question: What's one thing? And and I don't. Maybe both of you can answer this, possibly. But uh, okay. uh, I've never interviewed two two people at one time, so. This is my first time. Uh, But what's one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self? I'd love to hear from both of you.
0: Hmm. Dear younger me, seek to not only love your spouse and those around you, but seek to know them. Seek to understand them. Life will go so much better.
1: That's good. That's a good leadership principle there as well. Yes. Yeah. I would say, dear younger self,
2: um, within relationship, work on your being present and Mm -hmm. through being present, allow yourself to become emotionally intelligent because it's in relationship that life is most rich just seek to like be with people and to truly enjoy their presence enjoy who they are and where you are and um and enjoy it take it in be grateful
1: thankful yeah emotional intelligence makes such a, a huge difference in our lives understanding ourselves and and understanding others it's critical huge. for relationship it's critical well, Adam and Carissa, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I just want to thank you so much for, for giving us, my, me, and our audience your time today. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, if people want to connect with you in, in some way, where can they find you online? Where can they get these resources from?
2: dot com. You can find all that stuff, but we're on pretty okay. much all social media, podcast, YouTube, Instagram.
0: Amazon. Amazon.
1: Yeah. Well, I will uh, put links to your website. Uh, if you're okay, I'll even put your phone number for those sure. that may, may be seeking counseling or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, your links to your card decks. I'll put all of that on the, on the show thank notes. You. Absolutely.
2: Well, and thank so, you
1: for allowing us and the honor to be with you.
0: Yes. Thank you so yes, much.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So this concludes our show today, and if you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to audio podcast or on YouTube. Also, it would just make my day if you'd take a minute to rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. My name is Ryan Franklin. Thank you so much for joining us on the Christian Leader Made Simple podcast.